We're in a series called Overwhelmed, Learning to Let Go of Anxiety. This is the third message in the series, and uh, I found out that if you Google the word worry, you'll get about 1,530,000,000 results in 0.71 seconds, which is astounding. But I want you to look at that figure for a moment. Just you, Please don't do it right now, but if you Google worry, one billion, five hundred and thirty million results. In other words, apparently, worry is a pretty big problem in our world. Not only is it a big problem, I would dare say worry is a universal problem. We all do that at some time, right? You, you, have you ever worried? Come on now, talk to me. Have you ever worried? Don't lie. You know you did. You know, when, when we're four, we worry about a dark room. When we're 13, we worry about being accepted among our friends. When we're 18, we worry about getting into college or having a girlfriend or a boyfriend. When we're in our 20s, we worry about getting married or not getting married. When we're parents, we worry about our children. When, when we have a job, we worry about keeping the job. When we don't have a job, we worry about getting a job. We worry about our health problems. We worry about paying our bills. We worry about our marriages, we worry about COVID, we worry about the vaccine, we worry about what's happening in our country. I mean, the list could go on and on. Worry may be one of America's favorite pastimes. We tend to worry a lot, it appears. In fact, did you know there's even an app for that? Do you know there's an app? Actually, there's more than one. If you go to, don't do it, please don't do it right now, but if you go to the, if you go to the app store and type in worry, there's all kinds of apps that pop up to help you deal with your worry and anxiety. For example, there is one called Worry Watch. It's actually an anxiety journal where, where you write down all the worries that you have to see if they turn out to be as bad as you think they are. Then there's another app called Clear Fear. It's an app to help you manage the symptoms of anxiety and to clear that fear out of your life. There's another app called Mind Shift. It uses strategies based on cognitive behavioral therapy to help you manage your anxiety. But my favorite one, there's a whole list of them, but my favorite one is one called Worry Toilet. I'm not making this up. There is an app called Worry Toilet. And it says on the description, flush all your worries down the toilet and be comfortable and happy. I thought, you know, we could get t-shirts. You know, Nike had just do it. We could have t-shirts, just flush it. Don't worry, you know. But it would be nice, wouldn't it, if, if handling our anxiety and handling our worry was that easy? It would be nice if all you had to do was flush it and be done with it. But you know, and I know, that's not the way life works. And if you could use some help in this area, if you find yourself dealing with anxiety, if you find yourself struggling maybe with worry a lot, I've got something better than an app. It's called the Word of God. And there's a passage that I want us to look at today where Jesus addresses this very issue. And it's found in Matthew chapter 6. Would you open God's Word to Matthew chapter 6? Today I want to talk to you about when anxiety attacks. Because sometimes that's what it feels like. I chose that title very deliberately. Because sometimes it feels like anxiety and worry are ambushing us. That anxiety and worry is attacking us. In fact, 
None other than King David wrote these words about his own anxiety, his own worry, his own fear. In Psalm 143, here's what David wrote. Look at these words. My enemy has chased me. He has knocked me to the ground and forces me to live in darkness like those in the grave. I am losing all hope. I am paralyzed by fear. That was King David. Man after God's own heart said, I'm paralyzed by fear. So, my suggestion to you today is, if someone like King David struggled with anxiety and worry and fear, if, if that's an issue for him, perhaps it might be an issue for us too. Perhaps God's people do indeed have times of anxiety. Times when it feels like anxiety is attacking us. It's interesting, when you read past the Old Testament, you get to the New Testament. As you open the pages of the New Testament, the very first person in the New Testament to talk about worry and anxiety is Jesus. In the most famous sermon he ever preached, one of the topics he addressed in that sermon was the universal problem of worry. So walk with me through this text. Our our text today is Matthew chapter 6. It's part of the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to begin in verse 25. Jesus said, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or, what you, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? As Jesus addresses in this famous sermon, the most famous sermon he ever preached, as he talked to the people of his day about their worry, their anxiety, their fear, He talked about some of the basic things that they were worried about. Some of the basic fears that they had. And their basic problems, their basic issues in life were providing for themselves and providing for their families. They didn't have an Ingalls. They didn't have a Walmart. They didn't have Amazon. So what you put in your body and what you put on your body was a very real struggle. And it was sometimes a daily struggle. Trying to make sure you took care of yourself and you provided for your family. And in that context, Jesus gave everyone in that message that day a singular command. He looked those people in the eye and he said this to them. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. Uh, the, uh, that's the NIV. The ESV says, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Now it's interesting that this is not the only place where he says do not worry in this sermon. In fact, he uses that phrase three times. In verse 25, in verse 31, and in verse 34. Three times in this one sermon, he says to these people as he looks them in the eye, do not worry, do not worry, do not worry. But I really want you to notice how he frames it at the very first time he uses it. Verse 25. The very first time that he uses that phrase, do not worry, look what he says. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry. Don't miss that. That is very important. Because if I, Keith Shorter, were to tell you don't worry about something, you could rightly say, well, what do you know? You have no idea what I'm going through. You have no idea what I'm dealing with. It's easier for you preachers to say don't worry. So if I were to say that to you, you'd have a reason to say, what do you know? Or if you have a mother or a friend who says, well, don't worry about it, it's going to be all right, you would have reason to say, well, you don't know that. 
You don't know everything's going on. How could you know that? You don't know that. But here in the text, Jesus says, therefore, I tell you. I would say that carries a lot of weight when Jesus says it. It carries a whole lot more weight when Jesus says it than it does when Dr. Keith says it. So here's what I want you to do. If you have your pen and you mark your Bible, beside verse 25 there in the column, write these three words. Jesus said this. Jesus said this. Write that beside verse 25. Because I want you to understand, I want you to realize, Jesus didn't say, therefore do not worry. He said, therefore I tell you, do not worry. Jesus said this. Now, if anybody else told us not to worry, we'd have reason to tell them why we should worry. But when Jesus himself says, do not worry once, then do not worry twice, then do not worry three times, then maybe we need to pay attention to what he says. In fact, the good thing about this text is that Jesus doesn't just say don't worry, but he gives us a way to deal with the things that make us anxious. That's what I want to talk about today. Jesus actually outlines for us. He frames for us a way to handle our anxiety. He shows us what we can do with our anxiety. So let me give you those three things, and each one of them are based on one of the do not worries that Jesus said. So first of all, when you're filled with anxiety, remember first of all that God is your provider. God is your provider. Now, if you see the word worry in verse 25, it's the exact same word in the Greek language uh, of 1 Peter 5.7 in the very first message of the series. 1 Peter 5.7 we looked at said, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. That word anxiety is the same Greek word that is used as worry in this text. And both words simply mean to be pulled apart. Being pulled in different directions. Our hopes pull us in one direction, our fears pull us in another, and our worry seems to pull us apart. Our anxiety pulls us apart. Now, what are the kind of things you worry about? What are the kind of things that seem to pull you apart? Well, we could probably summarize them into different categories. For some, it is just personal concerns, personal problems that you have. For others, it's family matters. You're concerned, you're worried, you're anxious about someone in your family. And maybe it's health problems or financial problems. There's all kinds of things that kind of pull us apart. And sometimes we have, listen to this, listen, listen, listen. Sometimes we have very valid reasons to be anxious. Sometimes we have very valid reasons to be worried. I mean, for example, cancer is a real concern. Not being able to pay your bills is a cause for concern. A broken marriage is a cause for concern. Being unemployed is a cause for concern. But look up here. There's a fine line, a fine line between worry and legitimate concern. There's a fine line between those two. And here's the difference. I can have a concern for my family or for my health or, or for my, uh, uh, my finances or whatever it may be. I can, have, I can be concerned about those things and still trust God. Or, I can be concerned about those things and not trust God. And so there's this fine line between valid reasons to be concerned and anxiety and fear. Can I tell you when anxiety and fear takes over? Anxiety and fear take over when I fail to trust God. 
Again, I can have valid concerns, valid reasons why I'm concerned, and I can trust God. But if I take those concerns and I don't trust God, that's when worry kicks in. That's when anxiety takes over and seems to attack. You're so concerned about the problems in life that you're facing that you become consumed by those problems. That's anxiety. You become consumed by the problem you're struggling with or thinking about. So when we come to chapter 6, verse 25, and it begins with Jesus saying, do not worry. If you're filled with anxiety, that probably doesn't sound very realistic, does it? Do not worry. For some of you, telling you do not worry is like telling you not to breathe. I mean, you can do it, but you can't do it very long. For some of you, because anxiety has attacked you, because your worries and fear have taken over, you're, uh, you, you go to sleep at night worrying, and you, you not only carry them to bed, you stay awake at night sometimes worrying, and you get up worrying, and you carry your worries throughout the day. So when Jesus said, do not worry, it's like, come on, you've got to be realistic. That's not the life that I live. But can I remind you again, it's Jesus who said, I tell you, do not worry. And the reason he said that was not because you don't have anything to worry about. But the reason he said that was because he knows, somebody get ready to say amen, he knows you have someone watching over you. It's not that you don't have anybody, anything to worry about. You, you've got health problems to worry about. You've got family problems to worry about. You've got financial problems to worry about. It's not that you don't have anything to worry about. Jesus said, but I want you to understand something. In the midst of all of those things, you have someone watching over you. And to illustrate that, Jesus said, just look at the birds. Just look up. Verse 26, here's how he says it. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Jesus said, just look at the birds of the air. You ever seen a bird driving a tractor? I've never seen a bird plow the field or plant anything. Jesus said, listen, just look at the birds and realize your heavenly Father provides for them. Which fascinates me. I've, I've said this before, but I'm going to repeat myself. It fascinates me that God has designed this world that all the wild animals in the world are provided for. They have food to eat every day. I mean, could you imagine having that responsibility? Okay, who's going to take care of the giraffes? You've got to feed all the giraffes in the world, all right? Who's going to feed all the monkeys? Who's going to feed the lizards? Who's going to, we need somebody to feed all the turtles. Can you get the turtles fed? Who's going to... Who's going to feed the squirrels? They're always eating. Who's going to do that? I'll take care of feeding the deer. Okay, I'll do that one. I'll do that one. Could you imagine having that responsibility that every day of every month of every year in the entire world, you've got to make sure they're fed. And yet, your Heavenly Father has designed the world in such a way that He feeds them. Every day. And that's the point Jesus is making. He said, just look at the birds. Look at the text again. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? 
I've always been fascinated by birds, but especially fascinated by hummingbirds. Did you know that there are over, over 330 different species of just hummingbirds? Talk about creativity. 330 plus species of, of hummingbirds. Now the very tiniest hummingbird of, bird of all is this one called the bee hummingbird. That is a zoomed in picture so it looks pretty big. But the bee hummingbird is the world's smallest bird and it's only found in Cuba. And the bee hummingbird is only two and a quarter inches long and half of that is beak and tail feathers. And that little bitty bird weighs about the same amount as a dime. And Jesus said, look at God's concern to feed that bird and learn a valuable lesson. It's an argument from the lesser to the greater. Look at the birds of the air. And if God provides for the birds of the air, don't you think He'll provide for you? Aren't you much more valuable than they are? In fact, it appears that Jesus liked the birds. That he, he, in his preaching and teaching, he used the birds as an example on more than one occasion. In fact, you're in Matthew, go over three chapters or so, three or four chapters. Find Matthew chapter 10. I'll show you another example. Matthew chapter 10. Verse 29 through 31. Jesus again is speaking. He says, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? They're not worth very much, right? Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of your Father. That your Heavenly Father is looking out and taking care of the sparrows. Then he says, and even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Verse 31. So, don't be afraid. You might want to underline that in your Bible. So, don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Don't be afraid. Because you're worth more than many sparrows. You probably have heard this little limerick. It's, it's an old one, but it's a good one. It says, said the robin to the sparrow, I should really like to know why these anxious human beings rush around and worry so. Said the sparrow to the robin, Oh, I think it must be they have no heavenly father such as cares for you and me. And Jesus said, just look at the birds. You've got someone watching over you just as surely as they have someone watching over them. It's interesting, he didn't say, just forget about it, don't worry about it, it's not, not that big a deal. He was actually saying, you need to think about this. Think about it, don't just feel your way through this worry, think about it. Look at the birds. And if God feeds them and provides for them every day, don't you think He can do that for you? And then think about it again in verse 27. He says, well, Matthew chapter 6, verse 27. He says this, Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? Think about it. Has worrying ever changed anything about tomorrow for you? No. Worry by itself will change absolutely nothing for the better. Somebody said worry is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but you don't get very far. Worry is useless. In, in fact, I've never, I'm 61 years old, I've never heard anybody say, I'm worried and I feel better about it. Now, I, I hear the phrases like, I'm worried sick or I'm worried half to death. 
Because we understand that worry hurts us. So Jesus said, stop it. Do not worry. Because, look at the birds. Your heavenly Father who takes care of them knows how to take care of you. And then because he knew that we really needed to understand this and he wanted to drive home the point, after he said, look up and look at the birds, then he said, look around. Look at the flowers. Look at the text here. Verse 28, and why do you worry about clothes? That's one of your concerns. That's one of the things you're anxious about. Why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. And yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If you've gone with me to Israel, you've seen the wildflowers that are common in Israel. This is around the Sea of Galilee, and that's where Jesus was speaking, was from around the Sea of Galilee in Matthew 6. That's where he was located when he was preaching and teaching, and he pointed to the wildflowers that are very common to that area. So guys, just look around. Just look at all of those flowers. And then, then look at the next pic, the second picture, as I read this, this text again. He says, And why do you worry about clothes and see how the lilies of the field grow? They don't labor or spin, and yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. Just look up on the hillside, guys. Isn't that beautiful? God painted that. Solomon in all of his glory could never be dressed that beautifully. Just look at the flowers. And then the next picture, again, another picture from around the Sea of Galilee, another flower from the Sea of Galilee. Jesus says in verse 30, Look at this picture as I read it. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? Doesn't this make sense? Jesus said, he was using lordly logic. He said, you know, we take the dried grass and the dried flowers and, and that we commonly will heat a clay oven with it. That's the way you get the fire started in a clay oven is take that dried grass and that dried flowers and, and you light it to heat the clay oven. Jesus said, listen, if God clothes the grass of the field like that and the next day or two it's in an oven, if He gives that kind of meticulous care to temporary flowers, don't you think He knows how to take care of you? And then He says in verse 30 these powerful words, Oh, you of little faith. It's interesting, he didn't say, oh, you of no faith. He said, oh, you of little faith. You see, little faith is not the absence of faith, it is the deficiency of faith. Right? You've got some, you just don't have enough. Little faith is not the absence of faith, it's the deficiency of faith. And if you're taking notes, you might want to write this down. Worry and anxiety is a faith issue. Jesus doesn't deny that we face difficult circumstances. He doesn't deny that sometimes we have overwhelming problems. He's simply pointing to the fact that we do, when we do have hard circumstances, we have someone stronger than our circumstances. And we have big problems, we have someone bigger than our problems. So Jesus said, just look at the birds and just look at the flowers and then explain to me, why is it that you're worried? But remember, you have a God who takes care of you, who provides. The second do not worry is found in verse 31. And from this second do not worry, we learn, remember that God knows what you need. 
Verse 31. So, here's the second do not worry. Do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. I like that phrase, your heavenly Father knows. See, when we lose sight of that fact, listen to me, up in the balcony, those here, listen to me. When you lose sight of the fact that your heavenly Father knows what you need, when you lose sight of that fact, that's when you become very anxious. When you lose sight of the fact that your heavenly Father knows everything about your life and every need in your life, that's when you begin to live like those who do not have a relationship with God. That's what he says right there in the text. Verse 32, for the pagans, those who don't know God, those who don't have anyone to turn to, those who don't have anyone to trust in, those who do not have a provider, for the pagans run after all these things. When you lose sight of the fact that your father knows, you start living like those who have no relationship with God. You are anxious and fretful and fearful because it's on your shoulders. Somehow you've decided, I'm on my own with this one. Either God doesn't know or God doesn't care or God's not there, I don't know, but I'm, I'm on my own with this one. Alistair Begg said it so well. He said, worry reigns where God doesn't. Worry reigns where God doesn't. Jesus gives us the antidote though, thankfully, in verse 33. The antidote for anxiety is in verse 33. Jesus said, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Here's the antidote for anxiety. Seek first those things that matter most. Seek first those things that matter most. Give primary attention to those things that matter most. Instead of giving all of your energies and all of your mind to this problem, seek first to let God be first in your life. In fact, let me give you three words. Write these three words down. Faith, Father, and first. Faith, Father and first. Let me, let me give you those words, what they mean. Faith. I'm going to trust God to meet this need. That's what the whole text is about. You have a heavenly Father who knows what you need and who provides for your needs. Faith. I'm going to trust God to meet this need. Father. He knows all about you and He cares about you. Your heavenly Father knows. Faith. Father. First. The Bible says put God first. Put put. Those first things first, the things that matter most, seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. And He'll provide the rest. See, when we have faith that our Father really is our provider, we have the comfort level we need to put Him first and trust His promise. Before we leave, there's a third do not worry in this text. It's the last verse of chapter 6, verse 34. Therefore, for the third time, Jesus says, do not worry. Do not worry about what, church? Tomorrow. Remember earlier in this series, we talked about the what ifs. And we get all tied up about well, what if this happens or what if this doesn't happen. We worry about tomorrow. Jesus said, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Leave tomorrow in tomorrow. 
Don't bring tomorrow into today. If you want to ruin today, worry about tomorrow. Don't bring your tomorrow into today. And then he said something at the very end. I want, you, I, want you, I want to give you permission to say amen right here, okay? The very last sentence is this. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And all God's people said? Amen. amen. That's right. Each day has enough trouble for its own. So Jesus said, so why are you so worried about tomorrow? You can't even handle today. You need to focus on today. Don't worry about tomorrow. God's already there. When you get there, He'll be there. God's promises are the same tomorrow as they are today. The same God who's going to help you today will help you tomorrow. So don't even think about tomorrow. You just concentrate on living for God today. You concentrate on trusting God today. You concentrate on believing God today. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Now, if you struggle with anxiety and worry, I want to close by giving you an assignment. <clears throat> you don't have to turn this in. Uh, it's an assignment nonetheless that I would really like for you to do, especially, especially if you have issues with anxiety and worry and fear. Here's what I'm going to suggest that you do. I'm going to suggest that you go home, take out a sheet of paper, and write down all the things that are worrying you. I mean, just listen, number one, number two, number three, number four, number five. Just, just write down everything you can think about that's worrying you. After you've made your list of all the things that you're anxious about, I want you to sit back and look at it, and you'll probably remember two or three other things you can add to the list. Once you get the list full, it's like, okay, I think I've got it all on there now. This is, these are all the things that are worrying me. I want you to sit back and look at that list, and I want you to feel the weight of those worries. What I mean by that is, I want you to realize no human could ever handle all of this. I want you to realize the cumulative effect that all of those worries and all of that anxiety is having on you. I want you to realize how it weighs your soul down. In fact, in the, I think it was the first sermon in this series, we read Proverbs twelve twenty five: Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down. So on your list, make it as long as you can, list everything you can, and read the list and realize what that cumulative effect is of you trying to carry around all those worries. You trying to manage all those worries. You trying to deal with, you trying to solve all those worries. Feel the weight of that. And then I want you to look at that list and I want you to realize that most of the things that are on that list, not all, but most, you have no power to solve. You don't have the, the ability to fix most of the things on that list. If, because if you did, you wouldn't be worried about it, right? You're worried about it. You're anxious about it because you don't know how to fix it. You don't know how to solve it. You're not sure you'll ever get it straightened out. And so you look at that list and realize, you know what? Most of the things on this, on this list, I've got no power to solve or change. Now, as you look at that list, you will also realize some of the things will eventually get better. You also realize some of these things God is going to do for me and change them. And some of the things on this list are prayer requests that will be ongoing prayer requests for many days in the future. But that's your list. After you've made the list, listen carefully. After you've made the list, at the bottom of your worry list, I want you to write Psalm 54 verse 4. Psalm 54 verse 4 says this. Surely God is my help. The Lord is the one 
who sustains me. Write down your worry list. Write down everything that you can. Realize that the cumulative effect of that list is killing you. Realize you can't solve or fix most of the things on that list. And then I want you to claim Psalm 54 4 by writing it at the bottom. Surely God is my help. The Lord is the one who sustains me. And then here's the last thing to do. I want you to take that list. I want you to pick up the paper. And I want you to rip it up into shreds. And I want you to say out loud. These are not my problems anymore. Surely. God is the one who sustains me. I'm not going to carry this on my shoulders anymore. Surely, the Lord is the one who sustains me. Just rip up the list. God is my help. The Lord is the one who sustains me. I'm going to trust in Him rather than try to keep carrying all of this around. And can I say to you that the ultimate expression of God's care and God's provision in your life Yes, there's a great expression of God's care and provision in the birds. There's a great expression of God's care and provision in, in the flowers. But the greatest, the greatest description of God's care and God's provision is the cross. I want you to listen to him carefully. I want you to think about this. Cross of Jesus Christ, God met your greatest need. At the cross of Jesus Christ, God cared about you so much, He allowed His Son to die for your sin as a sacrifice for your sins. That's how much God cares. That's how much God knows about you. God knows that you needed that and He cared so much about you. He allowed His one and only Son to die on the cross in, for your place, for your sins. God knows and God cares. And watch this. God provided for your greatest need. Did He not? Through Jesus' death on the cross, He provided for your greatest need. The greatest need you will ever have. God knows, God cares, and God provided for the greatest need you'll ever have. So here's my question. He demonstrated His care on the cross. Do you really think He's not going to care about that thing you're you're struggling with? Do you really think that your Heavenly Father doesn't know and He doesn't care and it's all on you? It's all on you because you've decided to make it that way. We all have concerns. We all have problems. We all have issues that we have to deal with. And some of them are very valid reasons to be concerned or to be worried. But the question is, I can have a concern and I can trust God. Or I can have a concern and I cannot trust God and just get anxious about it. So we have to decide if we believe this. Surely... God is my help. Do you believe that? How deeply do you believe it? Surely God is my help. The Lord is the one who sustains me. How much do you believe it? Do you believe it enough to trust Him? Do you believe it enough to take your worry list and rip it up and say, these are not my problems anymore. I'm trusting in my Heavenly Father who knows every need in my life and who has demonstrated His concern for me at the cross. And if He demonstrated His concern for me at the cross, I can trust Him with this too. Let's pray about that. Thank you, Father, that You have demonstrated to us Your care and Your love.
And on that basis, we want to unload our worries and our anxieties on you. We want to do what we read in that scripture earlier, cast all of our anxieties on you because you care for us. And I just pray for my brothers and sisters right now. And Lord, their anxious and anxiety has been attacking them. And I pray that you will help them to remember that they do indeed have a Father who knows and a Father who cares and a Father who provides. Help us all. Help us all to lean into that truth. To trust in you and to say, surely God is my help. The Lord is the one who sustains me. Help us to do that today. And then help us to do it tomorrow. And I pray that in Christ's name. Amen.